TII Item 315, July 29th, 2014, iOS 8, Beta 4. Welcome to Today in iPhone. I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free seven-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending the music here in the background. Jeff wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song with my iPhone 4S using GarageBand app. For free downloads and more music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Regards, JeffJ. Well, thanks, Jeff, for the music. And folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. Also, want to thank Anthony for sending in the artwork for today's show. Anthony wrote the following. Hi, Rob. This image was made on my iPhone 5 using the Layers and Color Splash apps. The original image was a long exposure photo taken of the clear night sky above a small church on the shores of Lake Taupo, known for its trout fishing. Credit to Ian Ashmore for the photo. I used layers to separate the sky from the church and then added a dazzle filter and changed the hue of the sky. I then captured the TII logo from the TII app wallpaper and overlaid the logo over the night sky. Lastly, I imported the image into the color splash and grayscaled the church. Regards, Anthony H. in Turangi, New Zealand. Well, Anthony, thanks again for sending in the artwork. And folks, you can see Anthony's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 315. Or if you subscribe to your iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music that you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They? we have the following quote. Quote, our tablet will be better than the iPad. Unquote. Chang Ma, VP, Marketing Mobile Devices at LG, 20th, August, 2010. And here we are, four years later, and LG is the first name you think of when you think tablets. Okay, maybe not the first name, but uh, how about the second name? No, no, not second. Third, maybe? No. Uh, well, then they must be the four, or, or at least the fifth name, right? Maybe not. Okay, I'm sure they're one of the top 20 names you think of when someone mentions tablets, right? I wonder if Mr. Ma is still with LG. Hey, at least they can have a new slogan in their consumer mobile devices for the tablet division. LG, one of the top 20 names you think of when you think of tablets. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 314, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Puzzlesque. I will be giving those promo codes away later this week. If you want to know more about this app, go and check out the beginning of episode 314. This week, we have promo codes for a couple of apps. The first one is the app Theta Poker Pro, three words. Here is the review from the dev, plus a few words about accessibility. To follow up on iOS accessibility from episode 314, 
For years, Apple has provided excellent tools for adding full accessibility to apps, and the basic coding is very easy for non-graphics intensive apps. Every developer should read Matt Gemmell's article, Accessibility for iPhone and iPad Apps. Just Google Gemmell, G-E-M-M-E-L-L, and Accessibility, or follow the link in the show notes. What Gemmell wrote nearly four years ago is just as true today. He inspired me to add accessibility to the very first release of Theta Poker Pro, Texas Hold'em, and while I didn't do a perfect job, it worked well enough. Recently, however, the blind and visually impaired community discovered my app, and they had more than a few great suggestions to improve the game's flow. Thanks to their tremendous help, and you couldn't ask for a better group of beta testers, Theta Poker Pro is now one of the best card games you can play on any device without looking at the screen. With accessibility turned on, special gestures allow you to do everything without having to locate your cards or chips on the table. You can fold, check, or call with a gesture, and you can bet or raise with a gesture plus a selection from a pop-up grid. VoiceOver announces everything. Your whole cards, the checks, calls, bets, raises, and folds. The community cards all show down hands with their values, and the winners take. If you're fully sighted and running iOS 7, you can even enjoy the voiceover narration without turning on accessibility via the music and sound announce menu. No matter what your vision is, Theta Poker Pro gives you the strongest, fastest, and most configurable Texas Hold'em game in the App Store, with no network connection required, no ads, and no in-app purchases. Have fun while improving your Hold'em skills. Thanks to Robert for his review of his app, Theta Poker Pro, and for his comments on accessibility, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Theta in the subject line. The second app we have promo codes for is the app YYYYY. One word, five letters, all the letters are the letter Y. Here is the review from the dev. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. My name is David, and I am from White Sponge. I would like to share about a new and upcoming game that I have made called YYYYY, which is spelled as 5Ys. So have you ever imagined if one day your world came crashing down? Now what if you could do something about it? YYYYY brings you to an abstract world where you have to close colored backgrounds that are falling continuously down from the skies or risk getting crushed. With YYYYY, you can also share your game replays with your family and friends on the various social media channels such as Facebook or Twitter. So if you have an iPhone, iPad or iPod Touch, don't forget about the date with YYYY this coming 8th of August 2014. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app YYYYY and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put YYYYY in the subject line. That is five Ys, all one word, not four Ys or six Ys, make it five. And as always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then well, no soup for you. Of course, our quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-sec or less audio review of your app or iBook, indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please, please, please make sure to let me know when they expire. And into the news. Apple released iOS 8 Beta 4 last week, and the betas keep on getting more useful and stable from what I can see. One of the major new features with the Beta 4 was the introduction of the native app Tips. It gives user tips on how to use iOS 8 on a weekly basis. 
display and brightness are now broken out from the wallpaper section in settings, but strangely enough, the brightness settings are still also under wallpaper. So they're duplicated there. Under privacy, there is now an icon for home data, which will list apps requesting access to home data. Under messages, audio and video messages each get their own separate expiration option. Under mail contacts calendar, for contacts, under show in-app switcher, you can toggle off phone favorites and recents. This will keep your contacts from showing up in the app switcher. Under mail section, there is a swipe options area for swipe left and swipe right. So you can make swipe where it marks a message as read and you, if you swipe say left and then another swipe to flag the message, for example, if you swipe right. So you can have it do one thing when you swipe left and another thing when you swipe right. You can pick what those things are. In the keyboard options for general, quick type toggle to turn on off now is called predictive. So they're changing quick type to predictive. Under the new features for chewing up your battery section is the new section for handoff and suggested apps. This has toggles for handoff and for suggested apps. There are toggles for My Apps and App Store. According to the description, quote, show installed apps or App Store suggestions for apps relevant to your current location on the lock screen and in the app switcher as your phone's location services drains down your battery like a six-year-old sucking down a Capri Sun on a 95-degree day, unquote. Well, except for maybe that last part. Battery saving hint, toggle them all off. When I sit here and try to keep track of all the tips needed to save your battery in iOS 8, it makes me feel like Apple almost needs to have its own app dedicated to recommending different tips. Just saying. Control Center got a slight tweak to its look. There were some other slight tweaks and updates as we inch closer to the Goldmaster release. Well, that and the fact that the Bug Report app is gone. That one is kind of a hint that it's getting closer to the Goldmaster. Is it perfect or 100% stable? Heck no. I get random crashes, especially with the podcast app. So I think we need at least one, if not two more betas. But it may be just one more. Depends on how stable they make the next one. Don't expect to see much more new features or additions or anything else like that on the next round. If you have the TI app, you know that Apple announced their fiscal third quarter numbers last week or what the rest of us would call Q2 2014 numbers. Leading up to the call, the analysts were all out there throwing around their predictions, and as usual, Philip Elner DeWitt rounded up all these guesses. For iPads, the analysts suggested a 14.43 million units sold average, with a high guess of 6 million, 16 million by Horace Daydu, and a low of 12.26 million by T. Michael Walkley. And the actual retail number was 13.3 million units sold for the iPads last quarter, putting Bill Choi of Janie Capital closest to the pin. For iPhones sold, Alexander Petrick had a high guess of 39.68 million units sold last quarter, with Amit Deranani guessing at 31.8 million. And all the analysts together had an average of 35.88 million units sold, with the actual number coming in at 35.2 million units sold. That means there was a four-way tie for closest to the pin, with Daniel Tellio, Stephen Turner, Timothy Accrue, 
and Uncle Gene Munster, all guessing 35.0 million, million units sold. See, guys, you should have done 35.05. Guys need to watch uh, prices right. Congrats, Uncle Gene. I guess I can't call him always wrong, Uncle Gene, anymore. All these numbers mean, to date, over 550 million iPhones have been sold, and over 224 million iPads have been sold. Some other info from the quarterly call. iPods sold. Yes, they're still making iPods. And last quarter, 2.9 million of them found their way to new homes. Overall, Apple's cash pile grew from $150.6 billion to $164.5 billion. Most of that cash is overseas. Apple had revenue of $37.4 billion versus $35.3 billion in the year-ago quarter. Apple generated $10.3 billion in cash flow and returned over $8 billion via dividends and share buybacks. Apple will also be doing another dividend payment this quarter of $0.47 cents per share. That'll be in August. That amount per share is the same as it was last quarter before the split and adjusted. Some other miscellaneous trivia from the call. Apple said over 20 million people watched the WWDC keynote session, a new record. CarPlay is being integrated by 29 different auto manufacturers. Sales in the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, for the iPhone were up 55% year over year. 13 million iPads have been sold to date to education globally. Devs have earned over $20 billion to date, with over half of that in the past 12 months. Or put another way, in the past 12 months, the devs have earned over $10 billion. Now one downer from the call, and that was the iPad sales. Tim Cook did not try to get into explanations of shifting inventory and churn and all channel this and that like he did last call. He simply said iPad sales were below what analysts' expectations were, and they were down year over year. 13.3 million this year versus 14.6 million the same quarter a year ago. The 13.3 million number is the worst number for the past nine quarters, to put that in perspective. Also, to put that in perspective, my sons play with their first-gen and third-gen iPad every day, and they, well, almost every day. They would play with it every day if we let them. They want to play with their iPads every day, and that first-gen, they use just as much as the third-gen. So Apple has built a device that's just so good that people just aren't upgrading as fast as Apple may want them to, or at least as fast as analysts may want them to. First-gen iPad's still a really good device four-plus years later on. Apple's forward guidance for next quarter was also lower overall than what the analysts expected. To summarize, iPhone sales just below expectation, iPad sales well below expectations, and forward guidance below expectations. And all that, of course, means Apple stock has taken a serious beating since the call, right? I mean, in the past couple of years, news like this would have meant a huge decline for Apple, right? Uh, no. Apple stock ended Monday at a 12-month high of $99.02, just south of the all-time high of $100 and a few coins back in, oh, was it September of 2012. Seems analysts are pretty excited about the iPhone 6 mock-ups out there, and that's expectation has been driving up the stock price of Apple since the call. So anyway, Apple is pretty much at a almost at an all-time high right now, and the way things are looking, it will break its all-time high if this trend continues for the next week. 
Thanks to Dr. John for this next one, which kind of addresses one of the things Tim Cook discussed on the conference call, and that is about what happens to old iOS devices. Unlike old Android devices, or heck, even basically new Android devices, old iOS devices don't get stuck in a drawer somewhere and forgotten. There is no need for an island of misfit iOS devices. Seems when most people move on to a new iOS device, their old iOS device either gets handed down to someone in their family, hello, my wife and boys, or it gets sold either to someone like Gazelle or Ucell or directly to another consumer via a service like Craigslist or eBay or even your local community paper. And that brings us to the article from that Dr. John forwarded that talks about how big a deal that is for eBay. Nearly $2 billion, that's with a B, dollars worth of slightly used Apple devices were sold on eBay over just the past 12 months in the U.S. alone. This, according to Apple. From the article, quote, The iPhone dominated on the online auction site, accounting for 55% of the $1.94 billion in sales of Apple goods. Meanwhile, Mac products accounted for 20% of Apple sales and eBay and iPad sales represented 19% of the total. Again, this is a lot of all Apple stuff. However, the iPod was a hardier competitor on eBay than it is in the market for new Apple products, accounting for 7% of all sales of Apple goods on the site. Unquote. iPod sales, by the way, direct from Apple, are now at 1% of revenue. One of Cook's comments per the resale market from the call was, quote, I think the great thing is that our products command a much higher resale value than others do. And so that leads to a larger trade-in. And from my perspective, that means a larger ecosystem because more people wind up getting it on the iPhone. And if we get somebody to try an Apple product and then buy an Apple product, the likelihood that they begin buying other Apple products is very high, unquote. It seems in Cook's and Apple's mind that they are going to support the price-sensitive markets out there by coming out with cool new products to get the early adopters to upgrade often and push their used Apple products down to the more price-sensitive parts of the market. Get them hooked on Apple product, and then hopefully they realize the value of buying more Apple products and they move up the food chain when possible. Or put another way, Apple does not care if you drink the Kool-Aid from their cup or from the cup of one of their customers. Just as long as you are drinking the Apple Kool-Aid, they are happy. They just don't want people drinking that Android drink. You know the one. It's that horrible orange drink you used to get at McDonald's back in the 70s for birthday parties. Not quite a fruit drink. Not quite cough syrup. Lives somewhere in between. Yeah, but that was a childhood memory quite a few of you had suppressed for some time. Anyway, that orange McDonald's drink is the best way to explain what Android folks are trying to resell. For those of you too young to remember that orange drink at McDonald's, ask one of your elders. Thanks again to Linda for sponsoring this episode. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free seven-day trial to their service. They offer over 2,000 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts. These courses cover subjects like business skills, such as SEO, viral marketing, content marketing, and negotiating. There are software video courses covering MS Office, Adobe Creative Suite, and Final Cut Pro. 
And of course, there are iOS app development courses. There are over 25 iOS courses available at lynda.com. If you want to learn how to program or just beef up your current knowledge in one area of programming, Linda has the tutorial for you. My eight-year-old son came to me a little over a week ago and he said he wants to learn how to program iOS apps. So last weekend, we sat down with the Building a Note-Taking app for iOS 7 by Todd Perkins, and we watched that course and built the app along with Todd. So he has now co-programmed his first app, and he had a good time watching it and programming along, and he knows a little bit basics on building an app. He understands what goes into it. Next up for me, once this episode goes up, is the tutorial Teach Kids Programming with iOS, along with iOS Apps Development Essential Training and Objective-C Essential Training. So yes, one son is a podcaster, the other one is now an app dev. I am one proud geek dad. Linda recently released their new updated iOS app. You can download courses right to your iOS device, sync actively across devices, and even stream courses via AirPlay to your TV. Learn when and where you are most comfortable. Linda is an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device. There are searchable transcript as well as closed caption transcripts. And you don't need to take my word for the breadth and quality of their tutorials and service. You can check them out right now for yourself for free for seven days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, Rob. This is uh, Ben in sunny and hot Fresno, California. This is in regards to the gentleman on episode uh, 314 who was asking about the... um, the transferring the, of the data for his uh, blood pressure uh, app, amongst other apps. Now, in, I also use a blood pressure app uh, that does not sync up anywhere. However, within the application, there is a, a function to export the data to like a spreadsheet or some other kind of file. What I would suggest is that he go ahead and um, export the data, and then once he reinstalls the application, then then does an import of that same data. That might be an option if he wants to start off with a fresh install. Anyways, love the show. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And thanks for the feedback. Into the email bed we go. Hi, Rob. I am a man with vision impairment from birth and have been given an Apple iPhone 4S from my parents. And it's really easy to use with a vision impairment because it's easy to read and operate. With Siri, I can't thank Apple enough for such a great device for the vision impairment people. Regards, John P. Hi, Rob. You brought up the whole issue of accessibility with regards to Apple. As a blind person, it's difficult to explain how useful my iPhone and iOS devices are. I have been using computers now since the 80s. I'm 43. And when the first iPhone came out, I was not a happy person. It was obvious to everyone back then that the touchscreens were the future. Well, obvious to everyone except BlackBerry and Microsoft. Anyhow, at the time, I thought that touchscreens spelled the end of accessibility for mobile devices for blind people. However, in 2009, Apple proved me wrong when they introduced VoiceOver on the 3GS. This really was a revolution. I'd argue it was a larger revolution than the original iPhone was for sighted people. All these years later, Android is still woefully behind, and Windows Phone remains completely inaccessible for the 10 people out there that actually use it. As for what Tim Cook said about ROI for making their devices accessible, well, I have a 64-gig 5S, 
an iPad Air with Retina Mini, uh, both of which are 64 gig uh, cellular models. All these devices were purchased to replace earlier models. Seems you're not losing money on me, not to mention my 2013 13-inch i7 Retina MacBook Pro, which I mostly use for Windows on Boot Camp. Windows still beats OS X for accessibility, or OS X for accessibility. Did I mention I am happy Apple shareholder? All good. Regards, Kevin B. Well, yes, Kevin, you're definitely happy Apple shareholder today. Hey, Rob, great coverage of the National Federation of Blind Resolution and Accessibility on a mainstream podcast. Awesome. By the way, I know you were trying to get a point across, uh, but the Amazon Kindle app has been accessible now since May 2013. Always yay to more books. Regards, Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for the follow-up on the Kindle app, and thanks to the others with the same follow-up. And if I was really on my game, I would have mentioned that after reading that comment about the Kindle, that since that time, Amazon put in the resources and listened to the users and made it accessible and friendly to those that have accessibility issues. Now, that comment I read was from late 2011, and on Amazon's own, it did take them until May 2013 to get to the point of getting the app fixed the way it should have been. If I was on my game, I would have mentioned that. But way too many five-hour energy drinks that week to do that. And did I mention what a nightmare I think the health app is? For those uh, going, how did we just transition to that? Well, that's because I tried to track my caffeine intake in the health app. And wow, what an un- Apple app that is. If you want to use that app to track what you consume, yeah, good luck with that. I know it's not fully released, but still, the UI is just plain daunting if you have to look for categories to enter what you are consuming. There should be a way for items that you put uh, on your dashboard to tap and just enter quickly uh, a new consumption. Like with caffeine, chances are each time you drink a drink with caffeine in it, it will have the same amount as the last time. You know, most people buy the same size Starbucks. So why not have a quick plus button to add at that time to your normal amount? So, you know, whatever it was last time, you just hit the, tab, the plus button and it automatically adds in another one of those drinks for that point in time. Okay, did I mention I am not a fan of the health app? Let's hope this gets the uh, full Apple treatment in the future and is more, much, much more user-friendly and, or, well, really just usable at all for that matter. Hey, Rob, it's Gary from Kennedy Township. I just listened to your most recent podcast. For the people that don't want to lose the activity and the uh, information on the apps, like the guy with the blood pressure app and so forth, one thing he could do is check to see if the app has backup capabilities of its own. Most likely, he had to create an account to use them, but if they don't, either he can create a folder on his Dropbox account, if he has one, or updating to the latest version of said apps would help his cause. The same can be said with any apps, really. A lot of them are allowing backup, and it is worth noting that with iOS 7, the iCloud keychain and so forth also keeps your logged passwords. Anyway, keep up the show and have a good day. Gary, thanks for the feedback. We are now well over a 1,000 members in our Google Plus community and growing. 
Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. Per the post we mentioned on the last episode about what type of iPhone 6 you want, here is an update to those numbers. Three people are staying with the 5S. Six people want the 4-inch. 22 people went with the 4.7, and 14 want the 5.5. 19 wants space gray, 9 want silver, 11 want gold, 4 don't care about the color. 8 people want 32 gig, 21 people want 64 gig, and 13 people are smart enough to know that they want the device for a long time and going with 128 gig. One went with any storage. So the popular device looks to be a 4.7 inch space gray iPhone 6 with 64 gig. One new popular post in the G Plus community this past week came from the very evil Chris Andrews, who posted a picture of the stopwatch app showing eight one hundredths of a second with the following text, quote, who can beat my stopwatch score? Start and stop the built-in iPhone stopwatch. See if you can beat my time, unquote. To which many of us wasted some time trying to beat this time. And a few others posted their results with Javier M. ultimately breaking the spell on all of us by posting a time of one one hundredth of a second for the best time possible. Even if that is photoshopped, thank you, Javier. Your dedication is appreciated by many of us, and if it wasn't photoshopped, it was appreciated by everyone but your employer. Since the last episode, there have been dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TI Google Plus community, which is an Android Boys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 1,000 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Thanks to Apple for this next one, and that is per their press release titled, Apple announces 8th annual iTunes Festival in London. From the description, quote, iTunes Festival returns to the legendary roundhouse for 30 days with the world's biggest artists, including Maroon 5, Pharrell Williams, Beck, Sam Smith, Blondie, Kyle, Kylie, David Goethe, or however you pronounce his name, Five Seconds of Summer, Calvin Harris, Chrissy Hind, and many, many more, unquote. As Apple states, the performances, of which there will be 60 in September, to a day, will be streamed live or on demand on your iOS device or Apple TV or via iTunes on your computer. They are also doing a contest in which music fans from across the world can win tickets to the live event. Just send your headshot, body measurements, BMI, and date of birth to Apple for your chance to win. Or go to iTunesFestival.com for a <coughs> yeah, chance to win. More info in the press release, which you can find in the show notes for episode 315 at todayinios.com. Good luck on winning that. Okay, how many people can remember back when the iPhone 4 was the latest unit and there was a rear panel I talked about that you could get. It was a lighted Apple logo of Steve Jobs' image. It was a really cool and very geeky mod you could do. You'd get your logo to light up on the back of your iPhone when it was in use. And it was one that I loved to show off until I broke the back. Well... An iPhone that comes with a light-up or lit-up logo officially has been kind of a dream of mine, and some others, for some time. And now it looks, based on parts leaks, as a dream that I and others will finally see come to fruition with the iPhone 6. That's right, a light-up logo looks to be in my future once again. This is no everyday leak from the likes of Digitimes and BGR. Nope, this comes from Sonny Dixon 
who seems to know exactly the right people to pay off on the production lines in China to get these types of parts early. Now, another rumor for this part said the reason for the pass-through opening for the logo in the back of the case was not for the light-up logo or a logo that flashes for messages, but rather for the placement of an NFC chip. Uh, no. I think NFC is an N-O when it comes to the future of Apple's iPhones. I think iBeacons is the way Apple is going and not NFC. It just seems like Apple has tried to distance itself from NFC in the past couple years. We shall see in the future. But my money is on a light-up logo and no NFC for the iPhone 6. And to back up the leak from Sonny Dixon comes another leak of components. This one claims to show some of the internal components Apple will use in its iPhone 6. And guess what? The screw holes match up exactly with the base that Sonny Dixon leaked a week earlier. Nice to see the leaked photos of components fitting together. Yeah, the leaks just keep on coming and coming. If you are a longtime listener to this show, you know I say stay away from looking at patents that Apple has awarded as an indication of future or potential devices. Because if they are awarded a patent and said te device or technology is not already out there, it's likely not ever going to be out there, or at least not anytime soon. And, and again, at least from past experience, usually never. And thus, I am left in a big, big quandary. Part of me says, stick to your guns on that stance. It has proved true for the past seven plus years of doing the show. Then there is part of me that says, for the last 18 months, has been going, hey, an iWatch is coming, an iWatch is coming, an iWatch is coming. See, Apple was just granted a patent for what can only be described as an iWatch. Said iWatch's specs include what you would expect, touchscreen, accelerometer, GPS receiver, Bluetooth, and alerts via vibration. It would connect to a mobile device, display notifications, and allow users to accept and decline phone calls. All pretty standard fare, and much of what I already get with my Pebble. But then, there are a few things a little more unique and Apple-ish, like it having onboard storage to store your music and videos, plus a headphone jack, and you can use said iWatch with no phone necessary. Basically, it becomes its own standalone device, or when you have an iPhone, it's something it pairs up with. In the patent, it said the device could respond to specific movements from the user, like shaking or tapping your wrist to accept or decline call. The patent even made mention of a non-metallic band and a square face. Hey, wait a second. You can shake to do something. It has a non-metallic band and a square face. Yeah, sounds a lot like my Pebble. Anyway... So here's what I have to say about the patent. And this is per se, not likely exactly what the iWatch will be. But some of the features in this patent will be in the iWatch. Some of the others not mentioned will wind, that are not in the patent will wind up showing up. So the, this patent probably has some features of what the iWatch will be and some key ones missing. But I do find the timing of the release of the patent this past week kind of interesting. should be an interesting, if not expensive, fall. Right now, I'm looking at getting an iPhone 6, if a 5.5-inch version is released, an iWatch, and a new MacBook Pro. Thanks, Lynda.com and other sponsors and supporters for making that all possible. Staying on the rumor front, let's talk a little about Sapphire Glass that may or may not be showing up on the iPhone 6. More likely being may than may not 
Again, as I warned, don't be fooled into thinking sapphire glass will be indestructible. It will not. And some recent videos showing the front panel, well, the leaked front panel, while they show it much less likely to scratch, these videos show it can be scratched and is likely not pure sapphire. One video starts out showing them scratching the front of an iPhone 5S with sandpaper, but the home button does not scratch. Seems the Gorilla Glass has a hardness rating of 6.4, but the Pure Sapphire Home Button is the second hardened substance with a hardness rating of 9, diamond is a 10. They use some sandpaper, one with a hardness of 7 and one with a hardness of 8, and in both cases they easily scratched the Gorilla Glass on the 5S, but did not scratch the Home Button at all. Then they took both pieces of sandpaper and turned them on the reported iPhone 6 home screen or glass. Both of the pieces of sandpaper were also able to scratch the iPhone 6 class, but not as much and not as easily as was done with the iPhone 5S. This means one of two things. The glass is a fake and not really what Apple is going to use, or two, Apple is not going to use pure sapphire for the main glass, but some hybrid mix with sapphire. Again, the iPhone 6 glass did scratch, but was much harder to scratch and scratched less than the iPhone 5S, which uses Gorilla Glass. As one expert said, the only way we will know for sure what Apple is using for the iPhone 6 is to get one when it is launched, then break up the glass and look at it under a microscope. And, well, expect some people to be falling all over themselves to do just that and get the video up on YouTube before anyone else once the iPhone 6 does launch, likely September 19th or September 26th. I don't think I can stress this enough. When the iPhone 6 comes out, treat it as delicately as you treat the iPhone 5, 5S, 4, 4S. Do not think of it as indestructible. Think of it as just as destructible as the current iPhones. There was one non-story that the Apple haters were also quick to trip over themselves to report on and, well, condemn Apple with not a single bit of, what is the word that I'm looking for, words? Oh yeah, journalism or fact-checking. Seems this, quote, security expert, unquote, who goes by the title Nerve Gas, because, you know, you should always believe what someone with the title Nerve Gas says, he released a presentation at Hackers on Planet Earth in which he said he reported finding code that was being active in iOS devices that he could only attribute to Apple putting in a backdoor for the government to use said code. And, well, no. Or as Apple basically put it, heck no, no way, no how, never happened, do your fracking homework. And, well, a few other choice words. Now, before Apple had a chance to vehemently deny said accusations, which they did pretty quick, by the way, and also explain what Nerve Gas found, here are some of the sites that quickly hung effigies of Apple from the nearest light post and set them on fire. The Guardian, Forbes, Times of India, The Register, Ars Technica, Mac Rumors, Cult of Mac, Apple Insider, Information Week, Read Write Web, Daily Mail, ZDNet, and many, many, many more. They all condemned or re-reported as fact that which none of them bothered to even try to fact check or ask a real security expert, you know, the one that has a PhD in their name and their name doesn't sound like it was lifted out of an 80s comic book. 
per the code that was found and its use, here is exactly what Apple said and which has been backed up by real security experts. Quote, We have designed iOS so that its diagnostic functions do not compromise user privacy and security, but still provides needed information to enterprise IT departments, developers, and Apple for troubleshooting technical issues. A user must have unlocked their device and agreed to trust another computer before that computer is able to access this limited diagnostic data. The user must agree to share this information and data is never transferred without their consent. As we have said before, Apple has never worked with any government agency from any country to create a backdoor in any of our products or services. Unquote. So, for those that sent in links to the early articles, nothing to see here. Move along, move along. Now, that is not to say Apple can't get your info out of your iOS device if it is locked down. As we have reported here a few other times, they can. If, say, the government needs info off of it for a trial or a court case and they have a court order, they can send your physical device to Apple and four or so months later, they'll get that device back unlocked. But it's not a quick process and it's definitely not a remote access just one they can do when they physically have said device. And all those quick to string up Apple are also likely the ones with an Android device, whom I guess do not need to worry about backdoor vulnerabilities, not when there are so many side door vulnerabilities that the government and others can go through to get their data. Just saying. I think one security expert I read on this subject summed it up best. The hacker that did this presentation was looking for PR, and those reporting on his findings were looking for web traffic. Not a good combo. Moving on to bad reporting part two. Thanks to Jason Steele for the heads up on this horrible article. The title of this one is called, quote, Apple could be obsolete in three years, colon, analyst, unquote. Now, part of the horrible reporting is not that an analyst said Apple could be obsolete in three years, yes, and the Earth could be hit by a giant asteroid and the Royals could win the World Series. Two are completely far-fetched ideas, and the other is only slightly far-fetched. Believe it or not, the Royals is not the most far-fetched of the three. Now, the horrible part of the article is the first paragraph, which is often all many read, and it is, quote, Apple could be quote, obsolete, unquote, in three years due to increasing competition and, quote, make-believe, unquote, valuations in the technology sector, one analyst told CNBC on Thursday, unquote. Except if you watch the interview with said analyst or read the article fully, that is not at all what the analyst said. He never said Apple was a make-believe valuation. That was later in the conversation talking about Netflix and Facebook and Amazon types with crazy PEs in the hundreds. Apple's PE is conservatively sub-20, even with it sitting at a 12-month high. But if all you did was read that first paragraph, that is not at all what was said. And it gives the impression that the analyst was saying that Apple could be obsolete and that right now they have a make-believe valuation. And that's not what it was going on. So CNBC in general and Arjun Karpal, shame on you. 
please dig back out that J School 101 book and do some rereading. Hi, Rob. This is Bill from Brooklyn. It's been a couple, a little while since I've called, but I listen every week and I love your show and I wouldn't miss it. Anyway, I have a tip for your listeners. Um, this is a sort of low-tech tip. Um, I have an iPhone 4S. I've had it for about two years, as probably most iPhone 4S owners have. It's got the old 30-pin uh, connecting dock. I had started having trouble with it, and the trouble was it was uh, difficult to uh, plug it in all the way to get it to charge. And I, you know, if you jiggle it enough, it finally, you know, you can get it to charge. And then I had another problem, which is when I plugged into iTunes, the hardwire, in order to do a backup to my computer, um, it didn't recognize it as an iPhone. It, it recognized it as a device, and later it didn't recognize it at all. I checked all the uh, drivers and everything. There was really nothing wrong with my iPhone installation. So what was the problem? Finally thought about it, it dawned on me. I keep it in my front left pocket, and maybe the uh, connector, the 30-pin connector, had gotten dirty. And in fact, I pulled it out, I blew on it a little bit, and I scratched around with a toothpick, which might not have been the best thing to do, but luckily the toothpick didn't break. I got a lot of lint out of it, and as soon as I did that, it worked fine. Anyway, I wish I had thought of it uh, sooner, but uh, it works, and if any of your listeners are having the same problem, hopefully they'll be able to find a way to clean out their dock, and everything will be fine. Love the show. Talk to you later. Bye. Bill, thanks for the feedback. And folks, you can also get compressed air. You can get it at Target, and you do need to show your driver's license. And that's another good way to blow out lint and other stuff that's down there, inside there. If you do stick something into the port, which I don't recommend, but if you do... Don't ever use anything metallic. And yeah, toothpick is probably better than anything else because at least it's not going to short anything out, but don't use like tweezers or something metal because that could short something out. And that's a bad, bad thing. So my personal recommendation, compressed air. Hi, Rob. Per some previous comments on past episodes, does my photo stream use my iCloud storage? The answer is no. Photos uploaded to my photo stream don't count against your iCloud storage. And this from an Apple support article. Per the question, do shared photo streams use my iCloud storage? No, photos uploaded to shared photo streams do not count against your iCloud storage. Regards, Stephen W. Thanks, Steve, for that feedback. Hi, Rob. Per the caller asking about snooze alarms. Clock experts say when snooze alarms were invented, the gears in the alarm clock were standardized. The snooze gear was introduced into the existing mix and its teeth had to mesh with the other gear's teeth. The engineers had to choose between a gear that made the snooze period 9 plus minutes roughly or 10 plus minutes. So they went with the 9 minutes. Regards, Luke G. Hi Rob, further to the caller's question in the last episode about the 9 minute snooze, please find a link here that was discussed on today in iOS Google Plus page. Turns out there is no way to change the standard clock alarm app, but there may be some good suggestions anyway. Regards, Daniel Preston in the UK. Thanks, Daniel, for that feedback. And from the Google Plus page for the TI community, from Myron Euchre, he said that there is an app out there called Alarm Clock HD by the Alarm Clock Company, and it allows you to set any length news up to 60 minutes. And then Tosin O, oh, 
He said the sleep cycle is the name of the app, and that's a good one. And it gives you many options, including intelligent one, two, three, five, seven, nine, ten, fifteen, twenty-minute intervals for the snooze. So there are two options for you: alarm clock HD or sleep cycle. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, I'm responding to the caller in episode 314 that asked about adjusting the snooze time on the native clock app. The default nine-minute snooze length can't be adjusted, but say if you wanted a five-minute length, what you can do is set multiple alarms at five-minute intervals. If you set an alarm at 5, 505, 510, for example, you are creating your own snooze period. Alternatively, I found this free app called Theme Clock Alarm in the App Store that will also allow you to control the snooze length. Hope that helps. Regards, Steve in Brisbane, Australia. Hi Rob, it's Chris Andrews in England here. I found a little bug on the iOS alarm app. I normally set three alarms, one for say 6.05, 6.06 and 6.07 in the morning. And when the second or third alarm goes off, the button on screen to stop the alarm never ever works. There's a bug there and you just can't press cancel. only way to turn it off is to hit the power button but when you do this, it snoozes it and it goes off later, disturbing people. Just wondered if anyone else has noticed this. And um, thanks for a good show. Oh, and by the way, sorry about the uh, stopwatch game. Cheers. Okay, well, since you're so polite, I will forgive you for the stopwatch game. That and the fact that Javier saved us all. For your question, I have not seen that bug, but maybe someone else has. If anyone else has done three alarms like that, back-to-back, and they had issues, and then you had to hit the power button to turn it off, which, by the way, if you do that, then you need to make sure you go back into the apps app and then turn off any of the alarms. Any app uh, alarm that's in snooze, when you go back and look at the list of alarms, you'll see that the button is still turned on, and you just turn it off, and that'll turn off your snooze. So if you accidentally hit something snooze and you don't want it to go off later on, again, go into your clock app, Find the alarm that is still turned on, that is past the time, turn it off, and that'll take care of the snooze coming back on. But if anyone has seen this issue, give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks to Michael and others for this next one, which is the Kickstarter project called Cabin. This one had a goal of 50K. It is over 152K. And it has until Friday, August 29th at 9.03 a.m. Central Time for funding. So what is Cabin that it is able to raise over 150 Gs? Quote, Cabin is the slim aluminum portable battery for the iPhone that attaches magnetically for an unobtrusive and simple recharging experience. Unquote. I think a simpler way to get across what this is, because it's more than that, is think Apple's MagSafe power adapter for your iPhone. You plug it into your lightning port. Uh, there's a dongle, and it's flat on the outside, and it plugs right into your uh, lightning port. And with the Mag Connect points, and then you can snap on your power cord. So basically, this is Apple's MagSafe power adapter for your iPhone. That's a pretty much the easy way to look at what this is to start with. The key one uh, on this are the micro adapter, which plugs into your lightning port for the iOS device, and the mag adapter that your lightning cord plugs into. I think the price of those two is $25 total. I say I think because uh, it's not 100% clear. 
which in their description for that award level calls it a cabin adapter and micro adapter rather than what they later below call a mag adapter. So I think the cabin adapter is a mag adapter. Yeah, not the best website. Uh, they also have a case called the cabin. That's the uh, battery pack and a dock called the cabin dock. Their Kickstarter page, as I said, it's confusing to say the least. Pricing is higher for the cabin and the cabin dock, obviously, because you're more there. Yeah, some people are successful despite their best efforts trying to be not successful. Guys, clean up your Kickstarter page or to min. If you take the time to have an image with everything numbered and labeled, yeah, you might want to keep the names the same in your awards section. Just saying. Search for cabin at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 315 over at todayinios.com. Thanks to Glenn, or blame this one on Glenn, you pick. This is another Kickstarter project, and this one has raised over $7.5 million and has until August 29th at 8 p.m. Central Time for funding. So what is said Kickstarter project that it could raise $7.5 million? I mean, that's a huge number, Kickstarter-wise. Only thing that I know that's raised more than that has been the, the uh, Pebble Watch. So anyway, in a nutshell, what it is is a cooler with an 18-volt rechargeable blender and a detachable Bluetooth speaker and USB charger and LED lid light and wide, easy rolling tires, and integrated storage for plates and a knife, and cooler divider slash mm, cutting board, and gear tie-down, and, well, what really put it over the top in my mind is a bottle opener. Yeah. Yes, a cooler just raised over $7.5 million on Kickstarter. Um, hello, Coleman. Seems your marketing team has been asleep at the wheel lately. I mean, how did they completely miss the mark on this obviously huge pent-up demand for a much better cooler? By the way, this one is called Coolest Cooler, two words, and from the Kickstarter page for this, quote, the coolest is a portable party disguised as a cooler, bringing blended drinks, music, and fun to any outdoor occasion, unquote. Pricing for this cooler, 185 and change. Rumor has it, Samsung has already begun work on their own version, which they will call the Cooler Coolest. But it's not a complete ripoff. They move the blender from the left side to the right side, and they'll have a gold-colored version. Versus the Coolest Cooler, which will come in, well, a lot of colors, and you know what? I think I've gone as far on this one as I want to go. Look in the show notes for episode 315 for Coolest Cooler, if you are looking for a $185 Swiss Army knife of a cooler, thanks or blame goes to Glenn for this one. Really? $7.5 million for a cooler? I would not want to be in the next marketing meeting at Coleman. That's all I have to say. Hi, Rob. You wondered why no update to Apple TV? This article may explain why. Love the show. Thanks, Jenny. Well, thanks, Jenny. And this is per the article, Apple TV is a huge cash cow, which is why Apple is in no rush to make it better. Yeah, nice short, pithy uh, title there. Well, the basic gist of this article is, well, what was said in the title. Apple is making a lot of money, over a billion dollars, just for media sales from those using Apple TV. So as such, they are not interested in opening it up to the wild, wild west of apps. 
like, say, an app for the Today and iOS show, when they would much rather people be spending their time buying TV shows and movies. Except, you know, you can already stream TII to your Apple TV with AirPlay that is in the TII app today, right now. Plus, the main reason people use Apple TV, Netflix, for which Apple gets nothing. So, yeah, I'm not buying the whole argument being laid out here. Apple has shown it is more interested in building a better ecosystem than milking a cash cow. I guess when I said it will be an expensive fall, I kind of forgot to mention a new Apple TV will be on my purchase list if said device is released as well, which it should be. Thankfully, that should only be $99 there, give or take. I am hoping Apple proves Ian Morris at Forbes wrong. He's the one who wrote this article. When they release the fourth gen Apple TV with an app store. Dreamers got a dream. So folks, do you have Verizon and an unlimited plan and LTE? Oh, happy news for you. Verizon is looking at you with regards to network optimization. Yeah, never a good thing when your carrier says they want to apply its network optimization policy to your account. Seems that they are looking to do some throttling of your downloads. Well, if you hit a certain level. Yay, Team V. They had already been doing this network optimization, quote-unquote, for 3G users with unlimited plans. But now you lucky LTE customers at Verizon are going to get the Verizon treatment as well. Let me know how that all works out for you. Hey, Rob, this is Dan from L.A. Thank you so much for an awesome show. Love to hear it every single time it comes out. Um, I was responding to episode 314, specifically one of the listeners had asked for more ideas and offered their own ideas on finding luggage after an airplane flight. They went through the scenario of one example, which kind of scares me to death, and I want to offer a word of warning. I almost don't even want to repeat what they said they did. Before I describe it, don't do this, please. They said that they left the spare iPhone turned on with, I'm assuming, cell service active in their piece of luggage. And when they arrived, they sounded the um, find my iPhone alert and were able to find their, their luggage that way. We don't want iPhones being left on, especially packed away in insulating luggage on flights because when you're up in the sky, your device is not going to get a good cell signal. And so it's going to go into a high energy mode where it's going to use up the battery like crazy and it's going to get really hot. I've seen it happen. There have been some incidents. Um, I'm not going to go into FUD mode, but yeah, we don't want people doing that. So please don't try that. However, I will direct everyone's attention to iBeacon and Bluetooth LE, low energy. There are already some solutions to this problem, uh, little devices that you can place in your bag. And using an app, you can know when you're getting close to it. They'll probably work a lot better and won't kill people. So there you go. I'm not going to go into specifics. Um, I'm sure that some Google searches will turn up some results, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more uh, solutions coming down the pike very soon. Thank you again for a great podcast. Dan, thanks for your feedback. And yeah, folks, never put lithium-ion devices in your checked luggage. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. This past Christmas, I upgraded my iPad from an iPad 2 to an iPad Air, and I set up as a new device because I wanted a fresh start discovering new apps to use instead of the ones I had been using for years. I mostly used my iPad for GarageBand and lost a ton of music setting up as a new device. 
I backed up the old iPad to my iMac. Can I get those tracks back that I lost on from the iPad 2? I no longer have the iPad 2. Thank you, peace, love, and iOS. Regards, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. When you go to iTunes on your Mac, go to Preferences, then Devices, then look under Devices, Backups, and see if you can see the backup of your old iPad 2. If it is there, then you can do a restore from that backup for your current device to see if the tracks are still available. I would recommend first that you do a full backup of your current iPad before doing the restore from backup. If the tracks are there, then you're all set. If not, then just do a restore back up to the backup that you just made and you'll be all set to go. But again, first thing, back up your current device, then go into preferences, devices, look under preference devices, backups to see if you see the old iPad too, then do a restore to that, see if everything's there. If not, then you can do a re-restore to the backup you just made. Hope that all makes sense. Hi, right, Rob. Do you know of an application that will show you the carrier cell coverage percentage for an area that you're going to travel to? Travel a lot and would like to pick the best way in an area that may not have good coverage on Verizon. Thanks, Jeff. So basically, you're looking to see which areas you're about to travel through that have the best coverage for Verizon, and you want to be able to map your path through the strongest coverage areas. That's how I understand it. If anyone knows of said app that will allow that, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Thanks for the accessibility coverage and promotion on your last show. You did it justice and a great job. Very enjoyable. I am usually a very tech-savvy Apple watcher, but am in a bit of a predicament with the iPad. I received an iPad 2 in 2012 as part of a work deal and have grown to love the device because of its long battery life and opportunity to develop and use apps that require spatial awareness. The bigger screen than the iPhone is better. I'm looking into jumping to an iPad mini as much as I've gotten used to the bigger screen. I still get lost occasionally and have small hands. I saw the configuration of the iPad that I want on Amazon for $439 and I'm not sure if I should just hold out and wait until the next model arrives, possibly paying double the price. My iPad 2 is still kicking, but I'm noticing a performance hit, particularly with voiceover running all the time. It helps to have a bit more oomph, I know, not a tech term, in your processor for future proofing. And then there's the whole argument of whatever Apple releases in the fall, I will really, really want. Uh, and I watch, I think uh, there could be so many potential uses for a device like that in terms of health data gathered and indoor navigation. Thoughts, when should I take the plunge? I would have sooner, but because of how I obtained it, uh, selling the iPad 2 is not really an option. Regards, Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for listening to the show and thanks for the kind words. Here is my recommendation to anyone looking to update their iOS devices right now. If you can wait, then wait. That way, in three months' time, when the new iPads are out, or two months' time, when the iPhone's out, you can still decide to get the device you are looking at today, but probably for less than what you're looking for at a device today. Or, if you really like the new device that will be announced, you can pick it up. But if you update today, you have eliminated your choice. So again, if you can wait, then wait. 
Future you will be glad past you waited today, either for saving money or for getting the hottest new tech in the future, which again is only going to be two to three months, depending on if you're looking for an iPhone or an iPad. Hi, Rob. For U.S. listeners, Best Buy currently has $70 off the iPad with Retina Display 16 gig. This discount applies to Wi-Fi only and Wi-Fi plus cellular devices. For Australian listeners, Target is selling the iPad Mini 16 gig for $289, the Australian. This is for Wi-Fi only and $60 cheaper than what you would get it for from Apple directly. Kind regards, Steve in Brisbane. Steve, thanks for the heads up on that. And again, folks, if you can wait, I do recommend you wait. Just a little bit. New devices coming soon. Real soon. Going to be hot. Going to be sexy. You're going to love them. As you may know, listening to the show, I really don't like to talk about the legal stuff. And I don't like to talk about bills that have been passed but not yet signed into law. But I thought this one was at least worth a mention. The following is from Senator Patrick Leahy's office, whom is a sponsor of this bill. Quote, The legislation approved by the House Friday, which the Senate unanimously approved last week, reinstates a 2010 rulemaking by the Librarian of Congress so that consumers can transfer or unlock their cell phones without running afoul of copyright law. It also directs the Librarian of Congress to consider whether other wireless devices like tablets should be eligible for unlocking, unquote. Essentially, this means once you complete your legal contract requirements, the carrier must allow you to unlock your phone, and take it wherever you want. On top of that, you as a consumer cannot get so- you can now get software to do that unlocking for you. And those creating the software are not subject to the arcane DMCA rules. The president is expected to sign this one, making it into law rather soon. And after it is signed and there is more info on what you need to do to unlock your iOS device, without getting stuck in a call-waiting limbo, which is kind of what's going on now or has been in the past, I am sure we will go over it here on the show. But I was kind of excited to see this bill pass the Senate, and again, it should be signed by the U.S. President rather shortly. Thanks to Michael for this next one, which is the vessel, spelled not at all like anyone would spell it. V-E-S-S-Y-L. Of course. From their site, quote, First introduced in June, Vessel, the cup that automatically tracks your consumption, has reached a huge milestone. Pre-order sales have reached 1 million, unquote. So what is the Vessel? It is a cup you pour your drink into. It then can tell you what said drink is and how many calories and other info. Hey, wait, I was going to make fun of it like Colbert did and say, you know what else can tell you that info? The side of the can you just poured said drink from. But after being flummoxed completely by the health app, I could see the vessel communicating with your health app to log in info for the drink. Now that's assuming that the vessel actually will work with the health app. There's no guarantee it will. Pre-ordering price on this is $99. Again, there's no guarantee that this will work with the health app. Supposedly, it is able to tell you where you have Coke or Pepsi in the cup. It's supposed to be that accurate. It will tell you how many calories you are drinking, as well as other info, total grams of sugar, fat, caffeine, and such. I would say don't be the first one or one of the first ones to pre-order this. Definitely wait to a few people get their hands and lips on it to see how it 
reviews first and how well it works with the health app or if it even works with the health app. I was going to request one until I thought about how unlikely I would be to actually pour my five-hour energy drink into this. And uh, yeah, I'll just go back to eating less, exercising more, and let the chips fall where they may. This whole tracking what you eat, drinking thing kind of is for the birds or I guess people with $100 smart cups. Hey, Rob, Gunner from Chicago. A little incident that's kind of weird. I thought maybe you guys could help me. Bought a deep Blu-ray, download the digital copy, everything was great. I noticed my kid was watching my iPad and something kind of sounded funny. He was watching the movie, but it was in French. And when I looked at it, I, I couldn't get it in English. There was no language button. I deleted it from the iPad. I loaded it back up. Still French. Tried it on my phone. Still came up French. Went to my Apple TV. It's still in French. Now, it says even language French. I don't think it was always French. And if it was, why would I buy a movie in America and get it in French? What do I do? Is there someone I need to contact? How do I get this in English? I mean, I got a four-year-old. He just watches it in French. He doesn't care. But uh, it's kind of driving me crazy. Do you know who I need to contact about this? Or do any of your listeners know? Thanks for everything, Rob. You're the best. Gunnar, thanks for calling in. And sorry to hear about the issue that you're having. I don't really have a solution for you. I've never tried to download uh, the digital copy for a Blu-ray DVD. But if anyone out there has and you've seen this issue or know what issue Gunner is dealing with, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I'm having a problem with my 4S. I went to the Apple Store the day after Father's Day, and all my photos have not yet downloaded, and this has been going on since I left the Apple Store, which was the day after Father's Day when the guy gave me back my new refurbished iPhone 4S. He handed me the phone and my SIM card, put the SIM card back in my phone and my photos and videos. Still have not yet downloaded. Please help. Charday, Long Beach, California. Charday, I'm not sure what's going on there. Have you made sure that you have a good connection with your cable back to your, uh, your computer? I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're trying to download to. Uh, go into your settings, make sure everything's set right, um, and then also open up, uh, if you're on a Mac, open up iPhoto. If you're not on PC, uh, use the program that you normally sync over to. But if anyone has had this where they've had issues trying to get their photos out, please let us know. Again, give us a call or send us an email. Hi, Rob. Greetings from Chicago. I'm a blind voiceover user. I have a 32 gig iPhone 5 running iOS 7. I bought it unlocked on the evening of the winter solstice in 2012 at the North Michigan Avenue Apple Store. It was a retail experience I will remember for a lifetime. This was the first cell phone I had ever used or purchased in my life. My main interest in the iPhone was all the incredible apps, particularly those used for navigation and orienting someone to an area. The store was controlled chaos of hundreds of people swirling around an open floor plan to catch the Apple virus vibrancy and catch the buzz. Staff struggled to identify customers from all the tourists. Eventually, I connected with the saleswoman. I shared with her my excitement for my new iPhone journey and how the device may transform my life. She soon found an Apple trainer named Russell at the store and led me to a private upstairs area away from the crowds. To my amazement, 
Russell helped me with the unboxing of the phone for the first time and then proceeded a, to give me a 45-minute tutorial on the iPhone's physical elements, accessibility settings, initial setup, and he showed me how to perform the basic gestures to use the phone. He seemed as familiar with voiceover as most blind iPhone users. Russell showed me how to insert a nano SIM card, and at one point he attached an audio splitter to the headphone jack, and we both listened to voiceover through the headphones so I could hear the demonstration in the busy store and successfully learn the phone's basic gestures while Russell offered iPhone coaching and feedback. He was patient, thorough, and totally knowledgeable about voiceover for the blind and understanding how helpful it is to my independence. You are so right when you say that Apple is like no other technology company. Google doesn't have the attention to detail that ensure that end users have a seamless, highly effective use of their technology. They only care about putting ads under your nose. Nothing else can light a candle to the iPhone. Apple's success is in providing mass simplicity to high functionality with the company deciding to champion simplicity over complexity. Regards, Kelly. Kelly, thanks for that feedback and that story. Hi, Rob. I had a very bad experience with Freedom Pop. I pre-ordered one of their Wi-Fi hotspots when it first started. The terms that they advertised, thanks to the Internet, Archive Wayback Machine, they still can be seen, were 500 meg free and $10 a gigabyte over that and no other charges. By the time my unit shipped, they changed the terms to $20 per gigabyte unless you were on a monthly plan. I pointed out that that was not what they had advertised, and they denied it. Clear lie. That reduced my use case from something that I could use often to something that I would only use in emergencies. Then the $0.99 cents tariffs started showing up on my credit card bill despite my not using the product. They had instituted a charge for each month you didn't use the device. I complained, and their solution was to cancel my account, leaving me with a $99 paperweight, a most unethical company. Your comparison to GoDaddy doesn't even come close. Regards, Bob D. Bob, I am sorry to hear of your experience. Hi, Rob. So I now have an iPhone 5 on Freedom Pop, and it is nice. Download speeds of 13 to 14 megabits per second. The Freedom app dialer still needs work. Sometimes it won't register right away. I have had a Magic Jack account for five years and must say that despite their almost non-existent, non-existent customer service and their other little shortcomings, the iOS app is perfect. So in summary, I run low. if I run low on data, I will use their app and their phone number. By using the Magic Jack app, I also don't need to have another number for everyone to learn. Regards, Johnny. Hi, Rob. Here are some random rants and thoughts about what Apple is planning in the coming months. In short, this year's Apple devices will look like this, in my opinion. And again, folks, these are the listener's opinion, not mine. The iPod will be a 5.5-inch iPod when they do the refresh and they will add some style and color. Apple TV, they'll refresh with two versions, the standard and a Pro. $129 price for the Pro, which will have gaming and the A8 processor, 32 gig, Bluetooth lightning ports for gaming controls, and the $79 priced standard, which will be the Media Hub, the A7, 8 gig. 
iPad line. They'll refresh with the touch um, and then move to every other year refresh, uh, keeping the pricing and format as is. With the iPhone line, the 4S discontinued. The 5C moves into the free version, the 4S position. The 5S moves down to the 5C position with multicolors. Um, the 6S has a 4.7-inch model only, and there is no 5.5-inch model. That will just be for the iPod. The iWatch, low end, will start at $179 with limited new sensors and will be an iPhone in watch format for the masses. The high-end version will be a $499 FDA-approved and insurance company-subsidized new sensors for health tracking for chronically ill, health-conscious, and hospital patient use. Wishlist on services. A gaming package, $9.99 a month that gives you access to a pool of subscription games. Then there'll be a movie package like HBO. Apple becomes a content creator, hires Michael B., Jerry B., or... Uh, J.J. Abrams to start creating content for Apple TV. New dramas, horror, sci-fi, comedy shows, whatnot. There'll be a $9.99 a month for all content sans sports. Uh, miscellaneous stuff. During the dry season, Apple should hold small keynotes for accessories, home uh, for your home devices, uh, gaming, recreation, musical devices. Now my rant. Apple needs to bring Jarvis to the masses. What I want, uh, come home, and the door unlocks because it recognizes my iPhone or iWatch. Built-in, always-on intercom system linked to my Apple TV. Me, to Siri. Hey, Siri, what's been going on since I have been out? Siri replies back. Two people approached your door. Here are their pictures. Your kid left the house for four hours and came back. I turned the AC off while she was out. Siri uh, are, says to me, Siri, from Siri, your electric bill is due. Your checking and savings do not have sufficient funds to cover the amount. However, John Credit Card 0001 has enough to make a payment. Me, or John in this case, yes, Siri. Regards, John S. John, thanks for your thoughts. Hope you're completely wrong there on that iPhone lineup. Well, mostly wrong on that iPhone lineup. I would like to see three iPhone 6s, a 4-inch, a 4.7-inch, and a 5.5-inch model. I also don't see Apple going down to a once-every-two-year upgrade cycle for the iPads. I do think each year they are going to update the iPads a little bit after the iPhone with a minimum of the new processors so they can keep upgrading the processors and get people a little bit excited about something new. I just don't see them going two years uh, for the upgrade cycles on the iPads. John, thanks for your feedback. And if anyone else wants to send in their ideas, thoughts on what we're going to see from Apple the next 12, 18, 24 months, let me know. 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. A parting shot to an article in the Upshot section of the New York Times, thanks to Amico... F for the heads up on this one. The article is one about a conspiracy theory that has popped up the past few years and the correlation versus causation of said theory. See, this is about the articles you will start seeing popping up in three, two, one. Uh, knows. And that is Apple causes your iOS devices to start to slow down right before a new iOS device comes out and then more once it does come out to force you to upgrade itch.
This, of course, is pure BS. No one supports older devices longer with the latest software than Apple does in the mobile space. That the iPhone 4S will be upgradable to iOS 8 is proof of that. Notice. And your iOS devices are not getting slower. There is no article showing the start times and launch times of iOS devices being slower at the end of August than they were at the end of December. Trust me, people are looking at these things. If this was true and they could prove it, they would have lots of articles about this because people want the link bait itch. What you will see is when you start to see how fast the new devices are, well, then you start to feel like your iOS device is slower. And the truth is, many of us are just looking for an excuse to upgrade. Hey, I think there's a pixel out. Time to upgrade. Hey, there is a scratch on the back of my iPhone 5S. Time to upgrade. Hey, the silver iPhone clashes with my gold wedding ring. Time to upgrade. Some of us will look for any excuse, like, I think my MacBook Pro is running a little slower now. If I upgrade to a new MacBook Pro, I could save a good half hour a week combined, and that is time I could spend with my family. Time to upgrade. See how easy it is? Nose. Others writing articles about the slowing of iOS devices know about the placebo effect and how if they write an article say that says iOS devices slow down this time of year, people will go, hey, yeah, my iOS device is, seems slower now that you mention it. Evil Apple, how dare they? Itch. So anyway, be prepared in the next few weeks to see a plethora of these articles, including, like this article, charts showing the increase in searches about my iPhone slowing down, you know, people going out there looking for my iPhone slowing down. And uh, that happens this time of year. And right now, how's your nose feeling? Is it itching? Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you'll get a free seven-day trial. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app or product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. Always looking for new artwork to feature on the show that you've created on iOS device, just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. It's your show and your feedback is greatly desired. Don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community as well by going to todayonios.com community. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. -I.